0: Welcome to the Collective West podcast.
1: This is a podcast dedicated to supporting young people in Melbourne's West.
0: My name is Julia.
1: And I'm Michael. Well, we are back for another episode of the Collective West podcast. This is going to take a little bit of a different format. I am going to be the interviewer and we've got two special guests. One, you know very well, Julia Trum, obviously co-founder of the Collective West podcast. And we also have her partner in crime, husband, and also co-directors
0: managing director
1: managing director of um, julia's business or their business now and we wanted to talk about how covid has actually impacted businesses local businesses to melbourne's west um, local smes and also very specifically into the event management industry and sector which obviously has been one of the hardest impacted and also also least supported sectors across Australia, which is really, really unfortunate. Before we jump into it, Victor, did you want to give us an introduction to yourself, maybe your background into what you were doing before coming on board into event management? Because I know it's a bit of a meandering journey you took to get here.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Victor. I'm the Managing Director of JT Production Management. Previously, I was a banker, so I've been in the banking industry for over... 11 years in terms of my career, did a lot of finance, uh, helped a lot of people in terms of home lending throughout my career and my education. It was in finance, economics, and finance in terms of the degree. And yeah, I joined JT due to number one, it's a company where I, I believed in strongly in terms of what it was doing for all of our community and the people that we operate within and really gave us the opportunity to provide our own pathway to what we want to do. And since then, it's been an unbelievable journey.
1: We Victor swear, had to swear. say that. Julie's sitting <laughs> right next to him. Yes,
0: yes. Welcome to the podcast, uh, welcome. husband. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been waiting for two years to join this <laughs> podcast and uh, um, yeah,
0: Finally it, it finally, it took time. Finally, it took time. got casted.
1: <laughs> so, Victor, you know, you, you'd have multiple roles to do with this podcast. Being, you know, one of the earliest supporters, um, one of the people who we bounce ideas off, and also ideas for podcast guests as well as themes that we wanted to do. So thank you for that. And sorry, this invitation took so long, but
2: no, no problems. Uh, your wife kept
1: telling me she didn't want you on this. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what I I'm stuck here. I don't know what to do. Uh, I
2: think um, there's a, with all the previous episodes, there's so many important people that you guys have spoken to and the content has really driven a lot of, you know, what Collective West is all about. And today I'm glad to be on. <laughs>
0: You're important too, no way.
1: <laughs> Very important. And obviously we all know Julia, but did you, Julia, want to give us a bit of an introduction to the business? You've talked about it on previous episodes, mm. I think in, in small pockets or disparate bits, especially with our goals episode, for instance. Do you want to give an introduction to JTPM?
0: Sure. Well, JT Production Management or JTPM or JT Productions, JT Events. We've been around for nine years, so this is our ninth year in business. It's a business that I started when I was 20 graduated fresh out of university with a Bachelor of Production and a handful of clients. So a handful of freelance clients who wanted me to jump on and help produce their events or production manage or stage manage their events. Um, And with a lot of encouragement, definitely from Victor, my family and my mentors, I took the leap of faith and decided to turn it into a business. And it kind of grew year on year. And I think probably Four, oh, five years ago was when we really pivoted to being more of a company, like a company structure with employees and we've been growing ever since despite the crazy COVID-19 phase.
1: <laughs> and before we jump into, you know, COVID-19 and the impact that 2020 had mm. on your business and the and the sector. You mentioned that the business was growing year on year and then you pivoted towards having it as a more formal business structure with employees, Mm. so on and so forth. Can you give more of an insight of the decision to start your own business? Because this was obviously a decision amongst many options that you had and why ultimately did you want to start your own business?
0: Yeah, great question. I think the truthful answer to that was that the idea of starting a business never really crossed my mind. When I was in uni, it was I was in a course in an industry that is known for you'd come out and do freelancing. That that's pretty much it. And or you would go get a full-time job somewhere. But freelancing is definitely the more common option and it's very competitive. But it was truly because I was really passionate and I still am about producing, you know, me- meaningful experiences and having a variety of of events that I get to produce really led me down this pathway of I guess scoping and finding different kind of clients and it was the mentors that were around me that said, hey, you should start to consider establishing a brand. Um, And that's where sort of everyone used to nickname me as JT. Um, And so that's how JT came about. And then of course, you know, production management was what I was doing and that was what I was studying. And so it became JT production management. (laughs) It's a pretty logical approach. I like it. Yeah, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) Um, and then ever since then it, yeah, year one was kind of like testing the waters. Victor was very, very supportive. You know, he was still in his finance job at the time. Um, and he basically said, go for it. And then if you stuff up, at least I'm still around with, you know, income to look after us. So I was really thankful in that people around me really said, just take that leap of faith and try it. Um, and I did um, and it's been a massive learning curve along the way. I think every single year, every single you know quarter, every single month, I'm always like, wow, this is there's so much to learn about running a business, running a company, running a brand. Yeah.
1: what What surprised you most before 2020? about running a business? So just say from 2015 to
0: 2019. Mm, what surprised me most is the fact that we still are a really young company. You know, obviously at the time, woman led Asian Australian, trying to break the you know glass ceiling of running an events company whilst competing with other competitors who have been around for like years, like Talking 20, 30 years, but we were doing all right. <laughs> we were establishing ourselves and, you know, finding work, finding our own niche market and really kind of building that brand in that way and having great staff. So that really surprised me that thinking back from when I first started, I was thinking, you know, like a forecast of three months. And if that doesn't work out, I'll go find a full time oh, wow, job. Okay. Yeah. So is that short three yeah, months. Yeah. It was, it was gig by gig. Yeah. It, it literally was gig by gig. And I would remember, you know, I would always come home, right, Vic, and say, oh my God, you know, like what am I going to do in three months? months time if I don't find business? And you would always be like, keep going.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I gotcha.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that would that surprised me the most. And then when we decided collectively for Vic to leave your job to join us prior to COVID-19, that was a big decision too. Do you want to speak to that?
2: During that time, this is four or five years ago now, when we decided, hey, the business brand is actually growing. We've got a lot of good supporters. I think That's probably one of the things that's really surprised us is the opportunity that people has given us as a business, even as Julia as a freelance, then converting to, I guess, annual income year on after year. And it was a small world where people in the events industry knew each other and you never know when you need someone with the tight knit community, they started talking about our brand. A lot of our clients love what we did. We put a lot of care, a lot of you know, time in the customer service side of things. When we started growing, when I first joined the company, it's like we've got to do things right, you know, the right way. And hence why we've converted, you know, from a business, from a freelancer to a company structure, being able to then hire employees to then going into registering for GST and all that and actually setting up our foundations properly right from the very beginning. And that's how we started. At the start, we had five of us in total in terms of employees. You know, we started off contracting people instead of making them employees, and eventually they became employees and became full-time. That's how we really started.
0: But I think the decision in you leaving a very well-paid (laughs) reputable, (laughs) reputable, safe, safe, (laughs) full-time job that you've been investing over, I think you were working there for over 11 years to join this tiny little (laughs) brand. (laughs) And this concept of building a company was a really scary phase for both of us.
2: It was a scary phase. I guess, you know, being confident in your skills and what you know in the industry. I knew that if I don't take an opportunity now, When will I take it? And 11 years being in the same industry, being the same place as well, is quite a lot of time spent in the one business where I felt like I was at the peak of my career as well. I was kicking a lot of goals. I was moving positions pretty quickly. But it felt like I don't have the ownership of what I want to do. And I feel like that's where the business side of things, I have control on what type of ethics I have and Julia has. In our business, in terms of moving that forward, some of the things that I may be doing in the finance industry, there was really good things that I was doing at work, helping a lot of people into buying houses, as an example, and moving on with their life as well. But there's a lot of also things where it's behind the scenes. It is um, a very competitive, there's a lot of politics in the industry. And that's where it really hurts to be in that position every day, all day and sometimes not believing in what you do. Just coming
1: into JT, I would assume that you're working more than you You would have at,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: but you have I better, would, you have greater ownership over yeah, what happens. But, um,
2: I think everything that you do within your business, the time that you put in is actually invested in yourself yeah. in yeah. a way. You know, I was working late hours, probably on a regular basis in my previous job where they don't even pay you for it. So. Mm. Mm. You know, there, it's a, there's an expectation of you working nine to five but you're, you're, you're expected to work 12 hours a day, which is not really fair. But, you know, money sometimes is, it is good but at the same time it's like you're doing it all for another person or a, a corporation where, you know, they believe that you're only your a number.
1: And obviously you're married. Yep. <laughs> you have roommates.
2: Yep. <laughs> you
1: own – well, you have two fur babies yes. together, two cats that love me as well. Mm. How is it managing that boundary between work and life? Because mm. obviously, they, as you mentioned, you work on your business. It's also an investment in the business, but also yourself and also in, in, in each other, really. Yeah. So how do you manage to have a great marriage, a great working relationship and not want to bite each other's heads off? Or maybe you do. I'm not too sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you'd agree. It's not easy. It's not a walk walking path to begin with because I think we should definitely touch on this, which is when, Vicky, when you (laughs) joined JT and we started having employees and we were working on big contracts, it was really challenging between us. You know, there was definitely a lot of moments where we were like, oh my God, is this the right decision? And I, I (laughs) there was a lot of tears, a lot of kind of like behind the scene conversations going, fuck, you know, like, did we make the right move? Leaving a really great job to, you know, join up and figuring things out and, like, learning how to operate as a company. What we found was we're really good – I'd like to think anyway – we're really good communicator, aren't we?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems <laughs> like a hostage situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, What do you think? <laughs> it's,
2: you know, it's absolutely right where I've entered an industry that's totally different to what my skill sets were, you know, being a finance person, banking mm-hmm. person. Then going into a events management company, it was – Like I didn't know how to operate the way events would operate and I had to learn everything pretty quickly. During that time, like the first few months in particular, there was definitely learning curves for between myself and Julia. We had to learn very quickly in terms of identifying our roles. I think that was probably one of our uh, first lessons in business was we are both co-directors at the time. But... What am I doing in the in the in the business, because I don't have an event's background. Mm. and that's where we had to separate our roles very clearly, where I had you know the HR skills, I had the finance skills, I have team management skills, and make um I guess overall decisions with Julia uh, most of the time. So we identified what I was good at, and Julia is obviously very good at what she does as event management identifying those things then mm. gave me the opportunity of then learning the events, you know, how how do you operate in the events field? So,
0: And I had to I learn had to, to let learn go that, yeah. as well. That was the other big thing, right? When we realised that, oh, like it was really messy to begin with because, you know, I was obviously super attached to everything. <laughs> and controlling and then Victor's trying to like meddle his way through and figure out how it works and all that and then we were like, right, we got to really separate, meaning I needed to also let go and trust that he knows what he's doing on his half of the, the business operation and that I had to be willing to also provide a lot of guidance, which, you know, there was definitely walls going up really quickly during that kind of first couple of months of figuring out how we were going to work together. Yeah. It's great um, now. <laughs>
2: and I think like, you know, there's times where you think, Okay, is this the right industry for me? Should I give up? And yeah. am I actually slowing down the business at times as well? Um and that has definitely come across our minds together, although we probably don't say it to each other. But there was a there was a time where it's like, Oh, should I be going back to my old job as an example? Mm. I'm glad I actually stuck stuck it all out because value of us working together, growing this business together has been very rewarding, and I feel like I've contributed <laughs> to the to the business.
1: <laughs> Again, this feels like a hostage situation. Yeah, like I feel like I. No, you definitely have.
2: Yeah. J
1: T, give him have. give him some <laughs> recognition. This man's starving for recognition here.
2: Victor, you you've, done, you've
1: done a great job. You've Thanks, done a great man. job.
2: Thanks, man. If Julia will not it, I'll say
1: it. I've like, noticed from the outside.
2: And there's a lot of learning <laughs> yeah. that I've learned as well, and. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned while moving into this industry was how stale I was in my old job as well. Being 11 years in the same company, in the same industry, had actually slowed growth.
1: Mm. Your, your growth, your own growth? Yeah,
2: yeah so uh, my own growth because what I didn't realise was that I'm doing things day in, day out, I'm using one platform, one program, mm. I didn't actually know what's out there. And these corporations don't change their processes in terms of the operating systems very often so what you've learned was one system mm-hmm. and what I didn't realize thinking that I'm in a very high position in a very reputable organization was that oh man I'm actually getting out of there I don't know a thing mm. in any other industries in operating in my own ways I mean you can actually make a career hours doing the same thing all day every day but there's so much more out there to yeah. learn. And this is where the term where people say, oh, you actually switched your careers seven times in a lifetime is actually not a bad thing because at the end of the day, when you're retiring and you've been through seven industries, you've actually learned a lot more know- and become more knowledgeable than being in the one place for so long.
1: What, what was the hardest thing to, in the transition from one industry to, to event management?
2: I think I didn't realise how my knowledge was only in one sector. So a lot of my language was also in one sector and actually trying to le- learn language again mm. was actually mm. a very difficult thing. It's like all I know how to do is talk finance. Yeah. When getting out of it, no, is actually building relationships, having conversation with actual people and not talk about the one goal that they have, which is finance. finance. Yep.
1: Mm. What was the most transportable skill you had from finance into event management?
2: I guess numbers, <laughs> <laughs> That makes in, sense. Like, you know, I know accounting, I know, I know numbers, I know money, knowing that in that finance job provides me with a lot of skills still with a lot of the decision makings that we need to do when it comes to money.
1: All right. So we've heard about the challenges and the triumphs that you had before 2020 and then 2020 happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep.
1: So you started off the year, obviously really optimistic, wanting to grow the business even more. Victor's now acclimatized to the event management sector. You're doing really well. Some great contracts that I was honored to witness and also facilitate. So that Mm -hmm. was amazing. Yes, yes, definitely. 2020 hits, you're in March, things start to close down, things start to slow down and events start to get canceled. Can you walk us through how that impacted you Mm. in the first three to six months?
2: Yeah. I think probably reflecting on where we were at in March 2020. We were we were probably about sixty to seventy percent, you know, in terms of signing contracts uh, mm. for the rest of the year. So, you know, we were in a really good spot. I mm. remember coming back from holiday, we had all these inquiries, and we had actually signed in all these contracts. Mm-hmm. And you know, COVID started happening.
0: Mm. Twenty twenty um, was meant to be our year. It started <laughs> off like your year. Yeah, yeah. we were we, were, we, were, we were like yeah. we have this in the bag. <laughs> you know, we uh, like for perspective as well. We also had. A team of six people, plus um, Plus a a, casual as well. A casual that we were going to um, essentially employ full time. So it would have been a team of seven um, until March. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's March 13th or 16th when the announcement took off, right? And the Grand Prix closed, and that was when we were like, "Oh crap!"
2: (laughs) And then it was all in the one day where. Every single one of our projects got cancelled, so Mm. it was pretty much 90% of our contracts being cancelled. There was no postponement. There was nothing like that. It was pretty much, we don't know what's happening.
0: Yeah, we're pulling the pin. We're pulling the Um, pin. You know, and everyone started shutting down really quickly. And I remember that day because on Friday when we went into the office, and we knew that we might have to start working from home. So we had that in the back of our mind. We knew that we had projects. We just delivered a couple of projects and we knew that, you know, things weren't, you know, you just had a feeling things weren't going to go well. And then some of our colleagues started looking a bit pale, right? They were like, oh, you know, my old job just told me that um, they've just stood down all their staff. I remember very clearly who they were too. And then another person said, yep, they've just closed all their offices,
1: these people in event management. In
0: event management. Um, so there was their other jobs that they were in previously. And then we had a few new team members too who were, who were particularly quite stressed about it because they were like, oh, I've just spoke to someone and they've just closed their business. And Victor and I was like, you know, like, just hang in there. We, we don't know what's going on. We still have work. And then by 4 o'clock, right?
2: Yeah, I think every single hour we were telling people, hey, stop working on that yeah. project. It's oh, wow. been pulled yeah. every single hour. And then it got to a point where by 5 o'clock we were all – other, yeah, saying, it was wow, scary. We don't have any more work. <laughs> we actually got nothing to work yeah. on anymore. It was uh, like this day.
0: domino effect, right? Because we would be like, hey, you know, um, Emily, stop working on your project, but so-and-so you can keep going because you still have an event the following week. And then everyone was like, oh, that's okay. We still got We'll put energy into this. And then next thing you know, phone rings and we're like, nah, your project has gone too. But the other one's still going and then the next hour is like, nah, your one's gone too. And the worst part to all of this was when we cancel, when we, I get the call, Victor gets the call, then we have to ring our suppliers mm-hmm. and they're also getting this knock on effect, you know, and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. I know exactly what you want to tell me. It's canceled, isn't it? You know? Mm-hmm. And then we're like, yes, but like, can you tell us what's happening? Deposits and things like that. And, and then it becomes a financial talk. And I remember we said to everyone, pack your stuff. We went, we took everyone for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you I was needed gonna, it. Yeah, um, and it was this weird kind of like, oh, let's all have a beer, but like this sinking feeling yeah. where we all just looked at each other. Kind of knew,
2: and I was, was like, happening.
0: oh, I don't know what's yeah. gonna. Well, what are we gonna do? And Vic, you and I we, went home.
2: Yeah, we told everyone to pretty much bring their monitors, bring their chairs, yeah. and go home.
0: Yeah, and we were helping because some of them didn't bring their cars, so we were driving equipment in our car and dropping each staff home with their stuff, not knowing when we're going to come back or if we're going to see each other again yeah. and it was scary because that weekend uh, we were like right we got to check our finances now and then we pulled this spreadsheet up because we always have this spreadsheet of projections and remember we did the maths and we were like oh <laughs> how much money do we have in the bank account again how many staff and like how much are we meant to pay rent you know overheads and then we worked out that oh my god we actually obviously we didn't tell anyone at the time but we probably had enough income for like two and a half months if that yeah,
2: two two months and then we'll start dipping
0: into our own personal, personal savings, savings so
2: which we can probably last another maybe one or two months after. yeah
0: that if we with, paid everyone uh, full yeah. time and so we knew that we had to make a call straight away and it was something this kind of weird realization of like oh my god this business that i've been working so hard on for so long is about to disappear and like be gone in a few months time just seeing everyone else's reaction so we made a pack and we decided okay we're gonna get we'll both get a pay cut you know we're living comfortably to try to sustain the business and then we did some you know mats around let's all reduce hours collectively as a team in order to survive and then we're like okay now we're going to deliver the news and we knew quite well, it's a small team where everyone is at financially as well, whether they're renting, whether they're leaving their own home, they're living with their parents and stuff. So we were really conscious that we wanted to look after them as much as possible. And then we called the team meeting and that was definitely uh, like, you know, lots of tears and whatnot, but we brought everyone together and we said, right. Everyone was so worried, we were thinking that was like, you know, the standing down announcement, but we said, no, we're not standing anyone down. We want to continue and we're going to commit to you. And if we're going to go out, we're all going to go out together. So we said the plan, you know, we're all going to cut back on our hours. Vic and I are taking a commitment in terms of a pay cut. This is how we're going to reduce down. And then we said, okay, that aside, let's brainstorm. Mm -hmm. Like if no one's hiring us to produce events, let's make our own shit happen, (laughs) pretty much.
1: Before we jump into the self-production of events, which I was a part of one, I think, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic by the way. This is not the first time I've heard this story. I think that this is probably the third time and each time you've got my heart. (laughs) Like it is such an emotional story because I saw you go through it. Mm. What were some of the emotions that you were both feeling at that time? Because you told us a bit about, you know, the practical side of things, the finances, Mm. but you know, going home, dropping everyone off at their own place and with their own stuff, the equipment from the office. What was the feeling that both of you had over those first Mm. couple of weeks?
2: It was, it was tough because mm. um, we went home that weekend and I remember we had to make the call to one of the person that we were yeah. contracting on yeah. to say, we can't do it anymore. Mm. And it felt probably the most, like, you know, in terms of memory, that was probably one of our most downside mm. that we were at in terms of business. where We had to say, hey, we can't hire you. And she was ready to jump on board the week after. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much. I remember that, so yeah, yeah. We, we, we couldn't do anything about it because we can't just add someone into our team at that point of time. Yeah,
0: and she was crying. Um, I remember so clearly because we were in bed and I was dreading ringing this and we had it on speaker and she was just crying. She wasn't upset necessarily about us. It was a situation that we were in yeah. but it was just this awful feeling that you have to let, you know, obviously this fantastic person go. It's not even her fault. Nor was it ours, but we had to let her go, and we were like, (laughs) "She's on. She's she's back in the business now. Don't worry, guys." Amazing.
2: (laughs) It's a a good story at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's a good story to this.
2: (laughs) And when and when we're talking about being an events business is when the government says mass gatherings are banned, which for because of COVID, understandably, is our business is mass gatherings. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. Events is about people gathering together in person. And when we were in a situation where you can't actually operate, your business is probably it's your your business is a band is mm. what it is. Where yeah. we had to stop like there was actually very hard to crawl out of that hole mm. to think what other services can we offer? Mm. If we can't do what we do day in, day out, what can we do? There was a lot of thought process into it where we're like, okay, what do we do? We mm. need to use technology it was decided as a team so in our brainstorming session is how do we you know that famous word of pivot in terms of building sustainable income again Mm. and how do we go ahead in doing so so we started trialling a lot of different things
0: Mm. and it was definitely a team effort at that point I think there was a the team morale was that we were all genuinely in this understanding that we need to innovate together and we just got to do whatever we can in order to generate income and, and that's where Couch Community was born. You know, the concept of having pulling in industries that were all affected. So comedians, Melbourne Comedy Festival shut at that same time to cook off with famous chefs. The restaurants were closed at that time. And then for us to produce all of that for free and everyone's just pitching in time and effort and the community really came together was really, really special but it also allowed us to really do a lot of the R&D behind the scenes in terms of platforms, systems. And I was the one who did the first episode. So I did a cook-off with this brilliant um, Shaz um, in Macedon Rangers uh, who bakes cakes for Easter. So we turned that concept around within two weeks, just in time for Easter after the lockdown was announced. And we did it on Zoom webinar. Um, and we kind of just had to figure out how to do all this And we were like, oh my God, you know, never like, you know me, Michael, I can't cook for the life of me. So I was like, oh, who cares? I've just got to give it a go. Um, And the team was just trying to figure out how do we generate engagement, you know, and learn all of these things. And then we continued with that idea and we got all of these amazing chefs, comedians on board, Adrian Lee, Diana Nguyen, who's a fantastic comedian, Matt Stewart, you know, like Alex Ward, so many people on board, so many amazing restaurants were on board. Um, And then we started going from our first couple of episodes were filmed off an iPhone, streamed off an iPhone, and then we started upgrading. But as we were doing that and involved other suppliers, Victor and I both started feeling bad that... These suppliers were putting in time and everyone's in the shit together. So we started paying cash um, basically out of our own savings to kind of just say thank you to them. So we would do these episodes almost weekly and Vic and I remember at night time we'd be packing down and I'd be like, go go, pay You know, the videographer and like we're pulling out a couple of hundred dollars out of our own money and giving it away. And we'd look at each other on the way home driving going, oh, that was good engagement, like – There's no income yet, but, like, we just lost a couple of hundred dollars. I swear to God, I really hope this is the right decision, you know, this sinking feeling of, like, I don't know if this is going to work.
2: This was before COVID relief
0: came through. So we didn't
2: have any JobKeeper or anything like that. Mm. It was out of our own savings yeah. <laughs> we were running low on with yeah. income either yeah. so and we're like trying to support
0: other people yeah. so you know we're just giving out cash to kind of help suppliers the artists that were involved but what was good from that I guess was when we did then take those concepts and pitched it back out to our clients and we're very thankful that we've got great clients with long-term relationships who gave us the time of the day to kind of just sit in a virtual call and pitch to them how we're going to do this. And, you know, we were pretty new to it. You know, that was just kind of probably around May, June. So everyone was still like running around going, how do I do things? They were like, okay, if you've got an idea, let me know. And so we went in and we just pitched for, you know, maybe 80% sort of knowledge, 20% guesswork. <laughs> uh, as it's a good doing- combination. That's <laughs> yeah. all you need for a pitch. Yeah. Um, I think and that's what
2: we needed to do at mm-hmm. that time as well was like, yeah, we can be confident in what we can do. But we n- not necessarily had all the answers, but to have great clients that are willing to back us up, you know, through our, it's, it's all because of our ethics in the past mm. that we've delivered these events where they've given us the opportunity to actually produce events. Yeah. And they were very forgiving because being new into the digital world, we may not have all the answers and things may not work. But – 100%.
0: Well, a lot of it did work though, so that yeah, was the so other thing. we were thing. lucky that. <laughs> like, like I mean, it wasn't like
2: – We've, we've trialled so many times. We did everything that we needed to do to actually trial yeah. all the products. And like we, we, we obviously do.
0: put in a lot of legwork to make sure we were delivering. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't mind saying that clients now, like people like – Western Melbourne tourism, Richard Ponsford loved the concept of the chef cook-off. So he said, can you apply that to students and help VU students engage? So we did that and we did hanging local. So it was chef versus students and that was really successful. And then we did, you know, Victoria University engaged in us, Womito engaged in us to help do their ministerial. Shout out Wade Noonan. Yes. (laughs) Melbourne Uni, University of Melbourne, you know, their Faculty of Engineering and IT said, hey, can you produce our awards night online in an interactive platform we did that and they were so amazed at how well it worked they opened up all these opportunities for us to then pitch to other faculties you know and it kind of just grew from there and so by I think it was probably oh you would say probably July August when the team started coming back full-time And then That the, was
1: huge news when you told me. I was like, wow, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. When most event management companies were going under, mm. you were going back to full-time. Full
0: time. And then um, I remember in September I called the person that we had to let go. And um, <laughs> she was ecstatic because she was, you know, obviously just trying to do some casual work. And I was like, Are you ready to come back? <laughs> and she was like, Yeah. And I was like, come back. So she came back on a contract and we yeah, contracted additional people by the end of the year because we were just getting so busy. Mm. Yeah.
1: That's bloody amazing. <laughs> and, and the thing that I noticed throughout the whole time, you never you never sat still mm. or kind of just said, oh, this is happening to us. There's nothing we can do. You always kept moving, which I found admirable. And it was such a scary time. And you move through this period of high uncertainty with just just this conviction that this is going to get better and we're going to do this and... I don't know for me to see what happened in october twenty oh, it was october march 2020 and then where you were by october November 2020 was like a world of difference, and that was like six months yeah Th- there is a bit of the story that I think we looked over, yes. which was <laughs> <yeah. Yes. laughs> which was you know going back to the march April period yes i think there was a period where I think Victor was looking to go back to his old job
2: yeah yeah, so it was pretty grim at that time where. It's like we know that we're not going to have any more contracts coming through. JobKeeper hasn't kicked in yet at that time either. Mm. So it's like, what do we do then? We don't have enough financial. Got our, a mortgage. Got yeah, things we've got to pay. a lot of things in our personal lives where if we both are in this business, yeah. we're going to both fail together. And then knowing that if we don't make a move on in March at some time, we're going to be both stuck. And if we both lose our jobs and or lose a business we're not going to have any financial backings at all mm. um, to save us. So during that time, I went back to my old job to request for my old position back. I did an interview and everything. Julia dropped me off at the, at the place and I went through the interview and it was probably, a, it's a really tough time trying to, you know, request for my old back job back and everything. And the manager at the time really loved what I do. Mm. Um, you know, I have enough Experience and also results to show what I can and do. And you for them. also
0: actually have great connections at your old job. So they were mm. really keen for him to come yeah. back. Yeah.
2: So there was a lot of plans in, involved in getting me back. It was a two year commitment. That's what it was. So if I was to go back, it would have be been two years that I will commit to them. Mm. And I promised them that mm. um, at the time as well. So if it was to happen, I won't go back to JT. I would continue working for them for two years as a commitment to to them. After the agreement, it was lucky that they do have, they, they had a job freeze. Um, so basically they went hiring, which then said to us, okay, we're both back in the business. I can't get yeah. that, by, default. Yeah, <laughs> by default. Yeah, by
0: default. And
2: then it was, okay, we're, we have to be 100% yeah. in this mm. together. So no it, matter what happens, yeah, we're going to have to push through. Yeah. Um, and
0: it was this weird feeling because I remember I drove you to that interview and we were like prepping interview, you know, tips and everything everything like that but then there was this weird realization as I was sitting in the car waiting for him to do the interview I was like oh my god he could actually leave the business and then I realized I don't want him to leave <laughs> especially during this time you know where it's things are so challenging and I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm like you know it's always been such a teamwork between us that I was like oh my god and I knew that when he walks in there and he accepts the job he can't just be there for like, hey, can I be, you know, you pay me for six months and then I'll come back to JT. It's like, it's going to be a long-term commitment and things will change. So it was a really big decision for both of us to say, you need to go and get a job again, because I really don't think financially we're going to be viable. And I swear to God, I think, you know, like things just lined up the way they did when, because he came out and he was like, it went really well, you know, like this is probably going to happen. Um, she really liked me and, you know, da 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 And I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and I was like mixed emotion. I was like, oh, okay. And then when it didn't happen, I was like, far out. I feel like things just happen the way that they meant to be because we were like, okay, well, you know what? There's no choice. We've got to get our shit together um, and we got to turn this business around. Otherwise, we're in big big trouble.
2: And I think government, you know, JobKeeper plan saved that business. Mm. I would say that pretty quickly. Did a big, yeah. Because... You know, knowing that we only had two months financial for the business, we would have went down real early um, if we had to use every single dollar and paying us and paying staff and things like that. So JobKeeper came in after that interview, which we were very thankful for, kept us Mm. afloat. And the the really good thing is that staff didn't see JobKeeper as free money. I think there's a really big differentiation between businesses and staff members that says JobKeeper I'm going to get regardless I don't need to work anymore. Yeah. Mm. Our staff were trying to push through mm. with JobKeeper and made that difference. They they worked you know to a point where they provided new services and everything and as a team we all kicked goals at the end mm. and I think at the time where JobKeeper didn't Like, you know, when it came through, it actually gave us a lot of relief because we didn't – so with our contracts, it takes time for payment. You know, March was gone and we started probably getting contracts back maybe June. Mm. And that's where it's like they're not going to pay you straight away either. It takes time frame. So JobKeeper really extended that for us. Mm.
1: Well, it's two years on now. So we're sitting here February 2022. Mm. JTPM obviously still exists.
0: Yes. So
1: you've, you've made it through some pretty dark periods as, we, as we've just gone through, which yep. is bloody incredible. And I've had the honour of actually seeing both of you go through it, the highs and the lows. And now, thanks
0: for supporting us oh. all the way through. <laughs> Mind you, I think, you know, it's been really, really amazing to have great friendship that supports us and, and encourages us to keep going.
1: Anytime. Always happy to support. We also started a podcast between that time from 20 to 2022. (laughs) So you can't get away from (laughs) me. But now you're sitting here February 2022. It's obviously a much different picture Mm. than where you were in just say March 2020. Can you tell us where JTPM is at the moment Mm -hmm. and some of the exciting news that you've got ahead of you?
0: Yeah, of course. 2022. Well, JTPM is now three times the size that we were in 2020, uh, which is wild to think. We're now a team of 17 staff about to move into a spanking new office that we just signed a lease for. Brand new suite of skills that I don't think without COVID we would have discovered and offer. So now we do digital events, virtual experiences, websites, Live streaming, videography, video editing, which are all skills that are revenue—you know—generating um, services, and we do a, a pretty damn good job at it. And the, the fact is that I think over the last two years of you know being in a really dark place and having to kind of rediscover our business, Victor and I have also really, I guess, framed up what JTPM is about, and we realized that what we're really passionate about is essentially producing meaningful live experiences that really spark joy, builds, you know, better communities and bring about really enriching conversations. And so upon reflection, you know, the last two years in particular, we obviously grew our portfolio, but we grew with amazing clients, clients that really align with us, clients that are doing fantastic work in the community, in the world making it a sustainable place, you know, putting on important projects for the community. And yeah, it's, it's a really exciting phase and we're so thankful <laughs> that people have stuck with us and stuck with our brand, stuck with our team um, and that everyone's working really hard for this common goal.
1: And financially? You don't have to give us exact numbers, but obviously, (laughs) obviously, we're not sitting on a two and a half month runway anymore. Are we? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, team. This is where you're going to find out.
2: (laughs) I would say, job wise, as a, I guess, comparison, uh, 2019 we delivered maybe 65 events. In 2021, we delivered over 150. Incredible. So hence why there's a there's a three times a growth because we've got three times more events to run, so we we are currently in a way much better position than what we were previously, and we've been in the best financial position in terms of our business career. The other thing to really mention is that we had a lot of people supporting us along the way, which we're really thankful for. There's certain people, certain clients that has given us enough business to actually sustain ourselves and it was also the timing of things as well some of these businesses if they or some of the contracts that we had if they didn't come in at the right time we could have folded as well Mm. it was also we had a really good landlord which we'll need to thank as well because they helped us through these difficult positions we would have lost our office very early on Mm. in our COVID stage so they gave us a lot of relief there as well.
0: And now we're ready to tackle anything, <laughs> COVID or not.
1: <laughs> no, that's really exciting. And um, wow, what a, what growth you've had. Because I know last year, obviously, we were running this podcast at the same time. You're delivering you know, three times the events that you were in, in 2019 before COVID. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a mixture of online events, in-person events, or mix of both, mm-hmm. which I thought was really, really exciting. And just as an outside observer, I think you're the only event management company production management company that I know that actually grew during COVID not just grew but like exponentially scaled across many different platforms skill sets as you mentioned before and that's really exciting and inspiring to see I think there was a lot of other organizations that just said you know if this this has happened to us we're just going to fold or they didn't do anything they didn't bothered to learn the skills to go online they didn't bother to learn the skills to deliver in a mixed way so you guys are hustlers yeah, <laughs> grinders sure are. It's, it's, just, it's honestly it, it was amazing to see thank you and just to see where you are now is even more exciting to see the next phase of jtpm
0: thanks so much. yeah good teamwork well done <laughs> yeah group high five somehow there we go <laughs>